So Galatians chapter 1, and we're going to call it the perversion of the Gospel of Jesus Christ or the fatal flaw. The fatal flaw. So as I just turned this recording on, before I hit the record button, the, uh, what few people we have here today on this holiday weekend, we were just talking about how people have a how people pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and the grace of God unto salvation. Even when you don't go to church and you create your own reason why that you don't go to church and you're good and you have your own belief system, you have essentially entered yourself into Galatians chapter 1 as a form of the gospel, a perverted form of the gospel that is fatally flawed. And when I say fatally, fatally meaning to the person who chooses to believe in their perversion or perverted form of the gospel of Jesus Christ or salvation or some way of making it to heaven outside of the gospel in which we were provided by Jesus Christ Himself. So in Galatians chapter 1, I'm going to read down through here, and I'm going to read verses 6 through 10. And it says this, it says that I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to Himself through the loving mercy of Jesus Christ or by the grace of God or by the grace of Christ. And you are following a different way or a different gospel that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. It says, let God's curse fall on anyone, and I stress the word anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again, what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person then be accursed. He says, obviously, in verse 10, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Father in heaven, we pray in the name of Jesus. We ask you to give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding to go back in time and to look at things, Lord, as you were giving Paul these thoughts. Lord, as you were inspiring the word to be written down and being brought to us and preserved all these many years that we could look at it and glean for ourselves spiritual truth so as to help us, Lord, to walk a faithful walk with You, God. One, Lord, that's not a perverted form of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, but Lord, one that is the truth and lined in the truth. And, and Lord, we give You thanks and praise and glory for that, that You would enlighten our minds, that You would somehow touch our hearts and that, Lord, You would touch the church today. Lord, and those that's here and those that's not. Lord, and we just ask You, Lord, to, to speak to people's souls, Lord God, in these trying times in these last days. And God, we ask Your blessings in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Man, I'm telling you, in a world today that we're living in where everything's up in the air, uh, when the abnormals become the normal, um, you would expect that people would be flocking to God. But 
Uh, as I talk to pastors and preachers, some are up, some are down, some churches are down, some churches are, are so-so. Uh, it doesn't really seem to be affecting anybody a whole lot until the rains come and the floods come and the ark begins to rise up off of the ground and people realize that, holy mackerel, uh, maybe we should have rethought things. But going back in time to the Galatian church, Paul had just been with these folks not too long before he wrote this. And he says to them in this gospel that I read to you guys that he was shocked. That he was shocked at how soon they were turning away from the gospel that he had preached to them that Jesus Christ had given him for them the true gospel of, of the church and the gospel of the new covenant. And you'll notice that if you read from verse 1 in this, typically in Paul's letters, it typically begins with compliments and pleasantries. Uh, to the church, but you're not going to find that kind of verbiage in this particular document as we first start off here. He's not really pleased at all at anything that's going on with the church. Now, Paul was in utter astonishment at these Galatians. I, I, would, I would hate to think what he would think today if the Apostle Paul, who wrote so many of these letters that we use for the Gospel today that brings us forth to the doctrines that we have, what he would think of churches today and, and, and the the odd thing is is you can be preached a different gospel you can go anywhere around town here and you're going to find about 60 80 other churches who's probably going to preach all kinds of different things and so there's not one consistent gospel back in this day paul was trying to create and preserve one particular gospel or good news one particular message he was trying to keep it very simple and it should be brought forth in one way. And this is the truth of the matter. We have to preserve it. It's not up to interpretation by the church. This is it. This is what we told you. It's very simply put and this is how you're supposed to believe. But the church, he was in utter astonishment at the fact that they were in the process and this is why he was sending them in a, a, a strict warning is because the Galatian church was in the very process of turning away from the faith and the gospel of Jesus Christ to a more law driven Judaizer Ju Judaism type of mixed with grace kind of gospel. Now, this to a lot of people today, they say, what do you mean by that, Pastor Jay? But if you if you, when I describe this, a lot of people today would say, well, what's so wrong with that? What's, Paul is making such a big deal at this. He is sending them such a strict warning that they had perverted the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is free in faith in Christ. That he was so strict in this and he was warning them not to do this because if you turn to another gospel, listen, you're not a Christian. That's basically what he's telling them. So what is this new gospel that they were trying to preach? These were work-driven doctrines, much like you see in the Jehovah Witness groups today, Mormonism today, where people think that they have to accompany works along with believing in order to be saved. And if you don't do the works, then you're not really doing anything for God. It's a mixture of the old law with grace. And people would say, well, what's so wrong with a, with, with a church that believes in good works? Well, there's not a problem with doing good works. It's when you, you think good works gets you to heaven mixed with your belief in Jesus Christ. 
This church was starting to turn to that. When Christ, when Paul came there with the message of Jesus Christ, lots of folks got saved and, it, and he showed to them this wonderful grace that God gave to them and they received it without doing a thing. They received it without the law. They received it strictly by the mercy of God. And he showed them that. But the minute that he left, these perverted preachers come in there, blab it and grab it, name it and claim it, and, and, and all these good works driven people come in there and started perverting the gospel and mixing it with things. And it was just like immediately they fell for that and started to turn. So they began a, a, a process of apostasy that was taking place that was going to remove them from being a Christian. This is about the most easiest to see way that he said that, that obviously grace isn't covering these people anymore. Right? They were turning their back on the message that they had first received. This was the church we're talking to. And he has a strict warning for them. Listen to this in verse 6. six. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to Himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. That is a strict warning that you're turning away from Christ. You want to remove yourself from the grace of God? Just turn away from Him. Turn away from the message. Listen to this. It's very simply put. It's a very simple Gospel. We are saved by grace lest any man should boast. That's all you're saved by. You're saved through what Christ did. And in, 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 in order to say anything different, for us to be saved would have to do... With, if, if we're saying that to be saved, Jesus' work on the cross would have been incomplete and would have needed the help from fallen man to complete what He began on the cross. Amen? There is nothing to complete. Jesus did it all. And so in order to say that you have to do this, or you have to keep this, or you have to say that, or you have to do this, or you have to keep this rigid rule over here, and you have to do what the law says right here, is to say what Jesus did was not a complete work for our salvation. And that is simply just not the truth. Paul's rebuke to the church is equivalent to us today saying, I can't believe what I'm hearing about you all. I can't believe it. I can't, I can't believe my ears in what I'm hearing today. That after having had such a wonderful contact with Jesus Christ and the, and the experience of His salvation and wonderful grace, that you would turn away from Him to believe something else. We talked about this just a little few minutes ago. But how God has so wonderfully met people where they are 
And I can say in the course of the ministry that God has given me, that I have seen God meet people so wonderfully in their life, save their souls, save their children, raise children from the dead. We have experienced that in this church where God has raised a child from the dead in Children's Medical Center. And not one family member is here today. What more does God have to do and, and, and even that is beneath the work of salvation. When God saves a person, how is it that we can be so easily removed from what God has so lovingly done in our lives? It's unbelievable. And Paul just, Paul just couldn't understand it. Now, perhaps maybe Paul, if you, if you look at the life of Paul and what he went through, he was, you know, Paul was a murderer in the beginning of the church of Jesus Christ. He would go in and he would, he would bring people into to jail and prison and do whatever it took to try to snuff this new way of believing out until God saved him. So Paul was one of the worst of the worst. And Paul was actually kind of sort of what he was describing. He was following another gospel, a law-driven gospel. But when he found Jesus Christ, he experienced the love of God. And that love of God was so transforming in his life and so overwhelming in his life that he was, he was so... Uh, in in all of of the grace of God, and w when Paul got saved, he was truly a new creature in Christ, and he just can't believe in his own mind, based on his own experiences with God, that anybody would have the ability to turn away from that. How do you turn away from something like that? How is it that you can put something else in that in the place of that? So when I, when I talk about Brother Paul right here, I would say if, 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 if God resurrected him and his bones and flesh was walking around today and, and he's seen empty churches and he's seen places where the gospel was perverted, what would he say? My goodness, what would he say? What would he say? Paul was amazed that these people were insistent on trying to pay or earn what was given to them and what was a wonderful free gift. He couldn't believe it. The warning was clear in verse 6. If you turn away to something else, that means you're not a Christian. And listen, he goes on to say this. Let's read this. That anyone, okay, let God's curse fall on anyone. This is the interesting thing about this letter to me as a pastor and, and a Bible student of the Word now for three decades is this was written, listen very clearly and closely, this was not written to the world. This was written to believers. Not to believers about the world, but to the church. And Paul's word to them said, let God's curse. What's God's curse? God's curse is exactly opposite of God's grace. Can you get an amen on that? God's curse is exactly opposite of God's grace. Listen, the Bible says... That there is no condemnation found in those who are in Christ Jesus. So how, how could Paul be insistent on condemnation to someone who was in Christ Jesus? That's a total that is absolutely in contradiction to that. 
So God's not going to curse who he has saved. But God would curse who turns away from him. That's that's absolutely correct. Let God's curse fall on anyone. Listen at this. Including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than, than one we preach to you. So listen to this. If a preacher comes and preaches a false doctrine and the church bites onto that and then the church starts to turn and they start to believe in that and they start to promote that, listen, that curse falls on them too. Amen? It is so important that we pay so close attention to the message that we have received from our beloved apostles of old. We cannot change it because we are more technologically savvy savvy today. We cannot change it because we think we're smarter than they were of yesteryear. We cannot change it because we think we know better. We have to accept the Gospel as it was presented to us, as it was presented to those people back then. It was absolutely a selection that God made to select those apostles to bring the Word to us. And it shall shall be unchanged throughout all of time. You cannot change it. What a warning. Then then if, if, if saying it once wasn't good enough, he reiterates the warning and says, I say again that we have what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news or any other gospel than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Let that person be cursed. You know what this is? This is the beginning of denominationalism. This is the beginning of that. There was no denomination mentioned in all the Bible up until this point. Now we're starting to see a division happen in the church because a couple guys are going to come around here and how how many of these Judaizers there was back in the day, I do not know. But I know that there was a group of people that was getting together and say, hey, listen, I got something better than what Paul's preaching. So let's do it this way. This is how I see it. This is how I see what should be being done in the church today. And so they formed their own idea, then they formed their own group, then they formed their denomination, and then to hell the church goes. And that's how denominationalism starts. One man's idea turns into a group. That group turns into a movement. That movement turns into a denomination. And here we are in the book of Galatians with a rebuke from that ever to take place. There should be one unified church of Jesus Christ. One. That's the way God intended it to be. Not all these micro micro subdivisions of the Gospel. It should be one body of one believers accepting, not changing, not bending, not breaking, not turning, not twisting what the apostles said we take what they said and we live by that we believe by that we serve with that we let that soak in us and we fall in line behind what Christ told them to tell us it doesn't matter what you think you have to believe what's said 
and the truth of the matter. Paul was amazed. Paul was absolutely amazed. Today the world is flooded with different kinds of Gospels. Each claiming to offer an easier, better, more meaningful, more, more effective plan than God's original version. And not only do these Gospels abound in the world, but sadly they even invade our church today. The fatal flaw. The fatal flaw in every one of these different Gospels lies in ignoring or trying to bypass grace. That's the fatal flaw. It's by grace that you're saved. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But by the grace of God, These groups assign divine value to ideas and principles limited to this present physical world, such as humanism or materialism or determinism or scientism. And they glorify self-effort, design your own spirituality or moral progress or self-perfection through some program or even reincarnation by some groups. That isn't a way that you can redesign. Listen to me. And hear the warning. The warning is we have to follow the Scripture. We have to follow Jesus Christ. We have to follow the way, the truth, and the life. And through Him only and in no other is there salvation that would bring us to heaven. We must analyze ourselves and our faith in light of biblical truth. Here's some good questions for us to ask. Is my life squarely founded on Christ's gospel? Ask yourself that question. Are you squarely and firmly fixed on the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have I taken grace for granted? Have I allowed other requirements to take their place alongside faith in Christ in my understanding of salvation? Am I living by another gospel? You have to ask yourself these questions that will keep you from committing the fatal flaw. As we were talking about before, it was brought to us by the disciples, by the apostles, by Christ, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Listen, I know of people of old. And, I, and, and for those of you that are listening to this podcast, before I, before I started to record, we were talking about today's discipleship and, and today's mindset, you know, as it pertains to people's responding to the gospel and living the gospel in their lives. I was brought up in the faith by people of World War II era. Bible-believing faith. A different group. A different kind of believer. I knew of people that when you went to go visit them at their house, if it was prayer time, if it was time for them to read the Bible and you showed up, you sat alone until they were done. And then they would come back in the room. If you didn't show up at church... The deacon immediately, immediately before church even began was calling your number, asking you where you were at. People placed a high value on Christ and the message of Jesus Christ 
And the fact that what the disciples said about not allowing yourself to be perverted in your thinking, Satan, who is our arch enemy, will feed our selfish thoughts when it comes to how we serve Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying only coming to church, but how you approach the Gospel in all of your life. Whether you pray, or whether you read your Scripture, or whether you live a life that the disciples brought to us, the doctrines that we share, the doctrines that's been presented to us, do you even know them? How does my life line up when it comes to biblical doctrine of the grace of Jesus Christ? Where am I at in all of that? Do I even take it seriously? I'm old school. I believe in the old knee route way. I don't believe in a cup of cappuccino and warm your soul and then tickle your fancy and and play slap and tickle with you behind the pulpit. I am not that kind of a preacher. The Bible says that men are saved by the foolishness of preaching, not from me dancing around and performing a show, but by giving you the Word of God that will prick your soul and bring you to a place of sorrow, godly sorrow, on an altar where you will give your heart to Jesus Christ, knowing that if you don't, you will split hell wide open. That is the message. That's the reason why we had to have a Savior. Do you understand that, folks? Do you get that? I was talking to my father just today. And I'm going to close on this. As my 82-year-old father reaches the twilight of his years and he sees and understands his own mortality, he called on a friend only only to find out that that friend had died. Death is coming. And then what? Where will you stand? You might feel good today, but you do not know what a day is going to bring forth. Let us serve God with fervency in our heart. Let us look at ourselves deeply and examine our hearts to see if somehow Satan or even ourselves have perverted the message in our own life. In our own life. I ask you to do that today. And I ask you to look deeply. And see where you lie. And I ask you to do that in Jesus' name.